All right. Good morning again, everybody. Glad you guys are here this morning. Um, so, a little, uh, little about what's happening in our life. A couple weeks ago, we dropped our eldest daughter off at college. And I have to say, it's one of those crazy kind of experiences as a parent. Like, I remember going to college myself. We're like, how do we get to be this old? <laughs> like, how did this happen? But uh, she's, she's a freshman at Olivet this year. She's doing great. Uh, things are going well for her. But it kind of got me reminiscing and thinking about my own journey, about the, my own times uh, of getting dropped off at college. And I can remember my, my first year as a freshman in college, uh, being in the dorm, my parents driving off. Uh, I had one of those... Um, basketball hoop things that goes on the, like your closet door kind of thing. And so I'm sitting there, you know, shooting hoops around the room. And pretty soon, uh, as happens sometimes with guys, there's like 20 guys from my floor that are in there playing like a full contact game of basketball. Right? We're like slamming over everybody. I mean, it's all this kind of stuff. Got to know, uh, that's how I got to know all my, uh, all the guys on my floor. Some of which are, are still some of my, um, number among some of my best friends on the planet. Great guys, uh, just kind of fun. But I can remember, uh, just hanging out with those guys and getting some time with those guys. I remember uh, meeting uh, a young woman early on by the name of Jenny Morse, and I can remember uh, her kind of coming and befriending this entire floor uh, of freshman guys, still a really good friend of mine. I remember her inviting me uh, to join her for sort of a giant volleyball game on campus at this organization I'd never heard of before called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I can remember going and meeting some more kind of cool people, having a great time. And then I can also remember uh, afterwards, they kind of, after they get done with the sporting event, they kind of gather together and they do a little training and stuff. And this particular night, uh, they, they said, hey, we're going to teach you tonight how to share your testimony. I didn't even know what a testimony was at the time. I wasn't a Christ follower at the time. I wasn't anything. And so I, I sat there and I listened to it. And they had you break up into twos and practice basically sharing your story of how you came to faith in Christ. And I have, I mean, again, I wasn't a Christ follower. I have no idea what I said, but it couldn't have been good. And I decided this is kind of weird. And I didn't, I, I decided I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go back to that kind of thing. But Jenny, Jenny kept coming around, and she kept inviting us, and she'd, she'd invite this whole floor of freshman guys to come and do fun stuff with her and some of her friends, like, hey, we're going to go for pizza, so we'd go out and have pizza. I can remember uh, by the time we hit midwinter sometimes, she invited probably 20 of us to join her and a bunch of her other friends uh, to go to her house in Minnesota and go skiing, downhill skiing, and we're like, okay, so we did it. <laughs> a whole group of us carpooled, went and did that kind of thing. Amazing. Had, had a great time, but we, a friendship started developing with all of us, and, and just some neat and rich community. And then a little while later, I remember uh, her inviting me to come and be a part of a Bible study she and a few of her friends were doing. And I started coming, and I started coming back uh, about every week. And uh, it wasn't too long after that that she invited me to open up my heart and life to Christ and said, I think you know enough. Uh, you know, I, th I think you're at a point where maybe it's time for you to say, hey, if Jesus really is who he said he was, if he really is the Savior, if he really is God in, in human form, then maybe it's time for you to open up your heart and life to him. And I, after wrestling a little bit with that question internally and who he was, I said, you know, I think you're right. And I responded, and my entire life and my entire eternity were transformed because somebody cared enough to, to, to walk across a room and befriend and invite my life has been changed because of an invitation, and actually not just one, but like dozens of invitations, invitations to, to hang out and to have conversation and to be friends, and, uh, and, and certainly an invitation to take Jesus up on his offer, and my entire life uh, headed in a different direction. I bet if we had time 
today. We could go around the room. I bet I could hear stories from a lot of you guys that would be similar, that would say, you know, I can remember back to a time when somebody invited me to church or somebody invited me to their house or somebody invited me, fill in the blank, right, to, to some place, and my life has never been the same. My life has been altered as a result. In fact, uh, Mark Holcomb um, shared a message a couple weeks ago. Like, don't you love it when you sermon <laughs> sermon illustration? No, Mark Holcomb shared the message a few weeks ago, and in it, he talked about an invitation that he and Chris got from some good friends of theirs. Uh, Edward and Shelley uh, invited them to come to Ignite, and uh, and eventually uh, they ended up coming to Christ. And they've invited a bunch of you in this room <laughs> to come and, and and join Ignite. And and some of you have seen God do transformational stuff in your lives as well. All as a result of an invitation. It's strange, but I think the kingdom of God tends to move forward because somebody, a regular person like you or me, is so filled up by God and loves those around them so much that they step out and make an invitation. It might start as an invitation to coffee or over to their house to watch a football game or lunch or whatever. It could be an invitation to church, an invitation to a growth group, maybe even an invitation to step up into a relationship with Jesus. But but it begins with an invite, an invitation. Today, I want you to open up your Bibles if you've got them. Uh, and we're going to kind of look and learn about this whole idea of the invitation from Jesus, an interaction that he had with a woman at a Samaritan well. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to John chapter 4. Um, otherwise, you can follow along in the Ignite Church app. There's a place with notes and the scriptures, or you can follow along on the screens. But we're going to kind of walk through this story. Let me give you a little background as we're, as we're kind of getting there. Uh, Here's kind of what's happening. Jesus and his disciples have been together for quite a while. They've been out doing ministry and teaching and hanging, hanging out uh, in Judea. And on their way back to Galilee, uh, where they live, uh, they, they, they pass through this area called Samaria. Now, Samaria uh, was a place and a people group that Jews were not real crazy about. And we'll, we'll get there in a second. But uh, as they're traveling through Samaria, they come to a well and uh, he ends up sending his disciples off and saying, why don't you go get, get us something, something to eat? And he waits there at a well and has an interaction with a Samaritan woman. So we're going to pick up the story there. John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. And I'm, you probably heard this before. I'm going to take a slightly different twist on it, but I just want you to, to kind of picture this as we read through it. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now, all right, again, I'll just stop there. A couple of strange things are happening here. The first thing is that it's strange for people to come to a well at noon. All right, this is when they're, when they're coming. It's super hot there, like dangerously hot there, so it's sort of weird to come. It's even weirder for a woman to come unaccompanied to the well, right? That just didn't happen in that culture. It was not something, you, you never went alone uh, out in public like that. You'd, you'd go with somebody else, you would be accompanied. And so it's sort of strange for a person to do that unless they were looking to uh, avoid other people. Okay, so this is kind of a strange thing that's going on. The third strange thing that happens is it's incredibly strange, as it's focusing on here, for a Jew and a Samaritan to talk to each other. You just didn't do that, right? I mean, it was these, I mean, Jewish people in particular looked down their noses at Samaritans. You just didn't talk to those kinds of people. I, I ran across a, a message this week that had a couple good quotes that I totally stole in church in the Chicago area. 
but kind of illustrate this. this is, these are quotes from the first and second centuries that kind of give you an idea of what the relationship was like between Jews and Samaritans. Listen to this. Uh, it says, he that eats the bread of Samaritans is akin or like to one who eats the flesh of the swine. <laughs> now, that's, is that a good thing in Jewish culture? No, unclean meat, right? But they're saying, if, if you eat the bread of a Samaritan, it's like eating the flesh of a swine. It's really bad. It's, uh, it's from the, uh, the Mishnah. It's a primary legal text of the second century for Jewish people. Here, listen to this one. This is from um, Josephus, who is a prominent Jewish, maybe the most prominent Jewish historian of the first century, says this, Samaritans scattered human bones in the temple courts. Okay, can you imagine coming into church one day and finding somebody's broken in during the night and throwing skulls around the worship area? I mean, that's kind of what they're saying. This is what's happened. Like, this is an adversarial relationship. These, these people are not getting along real well. And this, this is kind of the response. This is crazy. Uh, from 162 AD, it says this, the Samaritans were publicly cursed in the synagogues and a petition or a prayer was daily offered up praying to God that the Samaritans might not be partakers of eternal life. Do, do you kind of see what's happening? I mean, how do they feel about them? I mean, the people are getting together. When they gather together for worship, they curse them, and they pray that they would not go to heaven, but they would go to I can't believe you said that in church. <laughs> I can't, but right? I mean, this is, this is, they're actually praying for these people that go to hell. That's what they're that's, that's where their hearts are at in relationship to Samaritans. How do they feel about them? They like them? They hate them. I can't even think of a people group that would be similar for us. I mean, like it would, it would have to be worse, worse of the worst of the worst of the worst of what you can imagine. People that you would literally want to go to hell because you hate them so much. I can't imagine that being a part of worship, but I digress. Anyway, they are not, they are, they do not like them. They hate them with everything they are. So it's in this context that Jesus <laughs> takes the disciples through Samaria and stops at a well, waves his disciples on, and this woman comes up and he strikes up a conversation. Again, this is that's why she responds that way, right? How can you how can you talk to me? I'm a Samaritan, and not only am I just a Samaritan, I'm a Samaritan woman. How could you, a Jewish man, talk to me? And he says, will you give me a drink? He strikes up a conversation. It's the first thing he does. He invites her into conversation. He invites her into relationship, so to speak. How could you possibly ask me for a drink or for anything for that matter? We'll pick it up in verse 10. Jesus answers her. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Again, fascinating. Jesus strikes up conversation, and he invites her into relationship. He and then he invites her to find spiritual fullness in him. Let's keep going. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. I hit the pause button for a second. What kind of water is this woman talking about? Physical water, right? She's talking about the physical. And, and Jesus' response is, you know, if you keep looking to physical stuff 
to fill you up, to give your life fullness and purpose, you will continually be thirsty. You'll be thirsty over and over and over again. He's talking about sort of a, a discontentment. He's like discontentment is not primarily a physical problem. It's a spiritual one. If you'll keep looking to physical stuff to fill you up, to give you purpose and wholeness, you will continually be thirsty because you're made for so much more than that, Jesus is saying. It's true, I mean, and it's pretty profound. And I think, in all honesty, I think we tend to do the same kind of thing, don't we? We tend to look to other things, to people, to things, to material possessions, things like food or cars or achievement or success or money or vacations or entertainment or stuff, uh, careers or whatever. We look to those kinds of things to, to try and find fullness and purpose and satisfaction in our souls. And Jesus' words are every bit as true for you and me as they were for that Samaritan woman. You can try and drink there, he's saying. You can try and experience life and find fullness there, but you will be thirsty again, I guarantee it. Everybody who drinks this water, Jesus says, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. They will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman, what's the woman's response? What does she say? Give me that water. It's such a great response. She's like, yeah, I'm down for that. Give, you know, let's, let's serve that stuff up. Let me have a drink. Now, again, there's still some confusion, so I don't have to keep coming here and drawing water. And again, she's still in the physical picture. But for the first time in her life, maybe she's coming to the right place, isn't she? She's coming. She is standing face to face with God. And she's saying, would you fill me up? Would you give me what I need? Would you fill me with this water that you're talking about? I wonder if there's some of us here today that maybe need to hear and be reminded of this again. I think maybe all of us do. I wonder if you and I have been looking in all the wrong places trying to find fullness and life. All the while, Jesus is, sit, is standing right before us, saying to us over and over, come to me and find what you need. Come to me alone and find what your soul craves, what you long for, what your heart and what your life needs. Don't settle for less, but come to me and find life. Again, for the first time, this woman is, is coming to the right place to be filled. And she says, I want what you've got. Give me that water. Would you fill me? Would you lead me to life and fullness and purpose? Would you give me what my soul craves? Verse 16, Jesus told her, go and call your husband and come back. <laughs> I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that you don't have a husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. <laughs> this is getting a little uncomfortable. She's like, can we change the subject? Oh, you must be a prophet. Let's talk about that. Now, Jesus is bringing this up not to put the smack down on this woman. His point wasn't really to make her feel really, really bad. He wants to bring this woman to life. He wants to bring freedom and fullness to her soul. And where has this woman been looking to find fullness? Where's she been looking? To men. She's been trying to fill her emptiness with relationships. Now, we never do stuff like that, do we? If only I found the right person, then my life. It's how Hallmark movies stay, stay you know, <laughs> it's how they get material, right? It's, it's, it's how, how, uh, how chick flicks kind of make their, make their bread and butter. If only I found the right person and they said the right things and they made me feel the right way, then 
I would be full. My life would be complete. It's true, isn't it? Do we ever do that? Ever, ever heard? I'm sure you never do, but have you ever heard somebody say something like that? Yeah. I think we're all guilty of this, right? We've been looking in the wrong place, and Jesus is just pointing it out. He's saying, boy, you've been going to the wrong well, and you've been doing it again and again and again and again and again. And as long as you keep going and looking to people or looking to stuff or looking to entertainment or looking to whatever, as long as you keep looking there, you will be thirsty again. But Jesus says, I want you to come to a different well. I want you to come to me and find all that you Find what your soul and your heart crave. Find what, what you need more than anything else. A relationship with Jesus. Fullness and life, Jesus is saying, are only found in me. I can remember running across, uh, I think I shared this once before, but I can remember years ago running across. I wish I had saved it. I even looked for it and I, I couldn't find it. But it was, a, it was a meme of some sort kind of thing. It was a picture. And uh, and the text on it said, you could have had God. You could have had the fullness of God, but you chose light beer instead, <laughs> is what it said. <laughs> and I thought, that is so great. I wish I would have saved it. But it was, but what a hilarious sentiment. But again, it's, it goes back to the core of what happens with us, doesn't it? Like we could have had God, but we choose some other well instead, some lesser way instead. And you know what? Every time we do that, we get thirsty again. Because the right job or the right person or the right fill in the blank thing, right? The right house or the right car or the right vacation or the right whatever. You come back and you're thirsty again. The right car breaks down. The right house deteriorates. The right vacation never lasts long enough, right? And we're thirsty again. And, and instead, Christ says, man, you're looking for fullness and purpose in all the wrong places. Instead, come and find me. St. Augustine said it uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He said this, you have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are continually restless until they find rest in you. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He's, he's not holding out on the woman at the well. He's not holding out on you. He's not trying to keep us from having a good time. He's simply pointing out that there is only one place to find fullness and lasting life, and it's found in him alone. Why would you go anywhere else? Why would you settle for light beer when so much more infinite joy is offered? Fullness and life and joy are found in him, and so he says to this woman, go call your husband <laughs> to kind of shine a light on that. He's like, yeah, I know where you've been going to, look, to, to, to try and find fullness, and it's not found there. Instead, would you, would you quit looking there and come to me instead? Open up your heart to me. You know what he's doing? He's inviting her to something better. He's like, there's a better well. There's a better way to live. He's, it's an invitation to more. He does it to her, and he does it to you and me every moment of our lives. He's saying, would you come to me and find what you need? Would you, would, you, would you look to me when you're doing well and you're full of joy? Would you look to me when you're doing, when you're, life is in the crapper and things are not working out? Would you look to me when you're stressed and find, I am what you need if you'd, if you'd come to me and find life. He's inviting her to something better. Let's go on. Verse 25. 
says, the woman, the woman says this, I know that Messiah called the Christ, which means like the Savior, the anointed one, the one that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. <laughs> and then Jesus declares, I, the one whom speaking to you, I am he. Didn't I, he's like, didn't I just explain everything to you? <laughs> like, hello, right? I, he's like, I am he. I'm the one that, that you've been waiting for. I am the Savior. I've come for you. Would you turn to me and find life? Love this. Jesus invites her first into conversation and into relationship. He invites her then to, to, to find spiritual fullness and life in him, and she responds. She believes, but it doesn't stop there. I think it's easy for us to read this passage just individualistically, if I can say that, and to some degree, rightly so. Jesus is the source and the fullness of life for us, and we want to receive that. We don't want to miss that. We all need to be reminded of it from time to time. But if it stops there, just the, the whole give me more, I want to get filled up, it's all about me. If it stays focused on ourselves and, just be, and we just become spiritual gluttons, then we've sort of missed the second half of this passage. We've kind of missed it. Because I want you to see for this woman, because I think she does it so right, I want you to see where this goes for her. She discovers and finds Jesus to be who he says he is. She's like, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe that you're the Savior. She discovers life and fullness. She's betting on the fact that he's the Savior of the world, that he's come for her. And what's the very next thing she does? Listen to this, verse 28. It says, as then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Then they came out of the town and they made their way towards Jesus. I love this, by the way. The first thing after putting her, her faith or her trust in Christ, the first, the first thing for her after discovering this new life and fullness in him is she realizes, wait a minute, this is good news not just for me. This is good news for the world. And every person I lock eyes with is somebody that needs to experience the life of Jesus. Everybody I lock eyes with needs to know him as Savior, needs to experience him as the great God that he is. And so she's like, I can't just keep this to myself. I can't just, just stay here and just, just make it all about me. She's like, I need to go back into town. I need to go back to my friends and my family and my coworkers, and I need to let them know. I'm going to invite them to come. And so she says, come and see. Would you, would you come and see Jesus? Would you come and see this God that, is, that has transformed my life? Would you come and meet the Savior? Could he be? Could it be that he's the Messiah? Could it be that he's the Savior of the world? Could it be? Come and see, she says. It's, an invita it's invitation language. So she, first of all, she receives that invitation. And then second of all, right, she takes that invitation to others. Love that. Love the picture of what's going on here. I can't just keep it to myself. You've got to come with. Come and see. Come and meet this Jesus. Come and discover the Messiah. I'll take you to him. Come and join me. I'm heading there now. You've got to meet this person named Jesus. Here's what I want us to understand. Here's what I want us to, to pay attention to and get from this, uh, this passage. It's this. It's that, first of all, if we haven't yet received Christ in that way, if, we, if we're not looking to him, if we've been distracted in living our lives, looking, going to other wells to try and find fullness in life, man, we're doing so to our own detriment, right? And so if we have not yet turned to Christ and said, you know, you are the one that I want to follow. 
You were, would you come and fill me and lead me? Would you come and be my Savior and my God? If you haven't done that, I, do it today. Right? There's nothing better. He is the source of life. He's the good stuff, right? And so we don't want to miss that. But second of all, if we have received that, then let's pass that invitation along to those around us that desperately need Christ, that are looking at, like, like we have, that are looking at all the wrong places to find fullness in life, would you let them know that there's life in Jesus, that there is fullness found in Christ, and invite them to come along. Would you come, come and see, come and, come and check them out, come and, come and meet this, this Savior named Jesus. You and I, friends, are called to be invitation makers as well, inviting people to Jesus, inviting them to, to events and places and situations where they can, where we can grow in friendships and grow in relationship, but also where they can experience the love of Christ and hear more about Him. It's how I ended up in the kingdom. It's how many of you ended up here at Ignite and ended up in a relationship with Jesus. It's what Jesus modeled, an invitation, and it's what the Samaritan woman lived out and embraced. The statistics would say that more than half of the unchurched folks in America, more than half, we're talking hundreds of millions, right? More than half of unchurched Americans say they'd come to church if somebody just invited them. They'd come if you invite them, if a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, if somebody would just take the time and just, I get that our lives are busy and we oftentimes don't know, but if we would just stop and see the people around us and say, hey, would you come and see? Would, would you come and see? Would you come and check out this Jesus that has so transformed my life? Would you, would you come with me? Would you, and maybe just maybe a, an opening spot is just like Jesus did. Would you, would, would you come in, into relationship with me, right? Could, could, could I love him? Could I get to know you? Could we have a cup of coffee? And then eventually, would you come and check out this Jesus with me? Half of unchurched Americans say, more than half, say they'd come if you invited them. So what's, what's holding us back? What's stopping us from doing so? Sometimes I think we think, well, I don't know enough. I don't have all the answers. Can I just point out, this woman had been a Christ follower for a few minutes when she, she went, and, and she invited the people of her town. And I want you to listen to this, because what happens? What happens as a result? I mean, she doesn't really know anything. She doesn't really whatever. What could possibly happen from an invitation like that? What could possibly happen? L listen to this with me. We're going to go to... Uh, Verse 39, it says this, many, what do you think many means? A lot, right? More, more than half, probably. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Christ because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, Jesus' words, many more became believers they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Isn't that great? Many of them believed just because she's like, hey, come and see. This guy told me all about me, right? He told me all about my life. Could he be the Messiah? Uh, many, many people believed just because of that. Many others believed because she invited him. So why don't you come along? Check him out for yourself. And they came, and they heard Christ teach. They heard and experienced him for themselves, and then they opened up their hearts and lives to Christ and said, we believe. A town was transformed. Lives and marriages and families and generations were transformed because a woman that had been a Christ follower for a few minutes went back to her town and simply made an invitation. Would you come and see? 
Would, would you come and check this guy out for yourself? Many of them believe because of a simple, heartfelt invitation. Well, you think you know where this is going? <laughs> Let me do some application here for you. Next Sunday, right, is our fall kickoff. It's our five-year anniversary as a church, and I want you to, uh, to bring a present <laughs> in honor of celebrating our five-year anniversary. In fact, uh, in your program, there should have been, I've got all kinds of cards here, there should have been a little thing that says five by five by five. Take that out, if you would, just for a moment. By the way, if this is like your first time here, <laughs> I apologize for my shameless plug here. Uh, <laughs> please pay no attention. But uh, for those of us that Ignite is our home church, uh, I want you to take this out and I want you to, to just look at it for a second. Here's what I'm proposing. I had this uh, wild idea. I think maybe it's from the Lord, but I'm like, you know what? What a cool thing it would be if for our five-year anniversary, if the whole of us as a church uh, were to identify five people and say, hey, what if, we, what if we prayed for them five times this week? Pray just that God would be good to them, that he'd open up their hearts, that uh, there'd be receptivity. What if we prayed for them five times this week? And what if we found a way to invite those five people to come and join us next Sunday? Again, five-year anniversary. We're going to put our, we're going to do our best job of introducing people to Jesus. We're going to have an amazing time of worship. We're starting a new series, uh, which is fun. There should be postcards and stuff in here. We're going to start a series called Overwhelmed, and we're kind of playing off the fact that anybody here ever feel overwhelmed? Yeah, kind of like a, the universal American deal right now. Right? We, we all feel that way sometimes. But, but the whole idea of it is what if we would be, over, what, if, what if instead of being overwhelmed by all the stuff in our to-do lists and being overwhelmed with, you know, just our schedules and the pace and all the output, what if God has something different in mind? What if he wants to overwhelm us with his presence and his peace? What if he wants to overwhelm us with his power? What if there's a different way to live? And so we're going to start kick off a new series next week, which I, I think a lot of people can relate to. It's getting, we're going to bring our best, our A game to that. Um, but, but we're just saying, what if they came? Imagine what God could do. If God could use one woman that had been a, a Christ follower for a few minutes to see the bulk of a town transformed for Christ, imagine what he could do through you. And I wonder who he has put around you if there are coworkers or friends that maybe you could uh, identify, you could be praying for, and then step out in faith and invite them this week and say, hey, would you come and join me? Would, would you come and join me? Just come with me, come and see. We're going to do this great thing after church is done. As I mentioned before, we're going to have, we've got inflatables. We're going to have a cookout kind of thing. There's going to be food. Uh, we've got some giveaways. We've got the Kona ice truck coming. We've got all kinds of, it's going to be fun. Just kind of hang out. It's going to be a great way to build relationships. And it's going to be a great way for people to hear about Jesus. So would you take a risk this week? Would you make an invitation or five? I don't care how you do it. Um, I've put uh, some different things. I mean, we put postcards in there. I, I think I put three in each one. There's extras, extra postcards on the back table here, on the welcome table out there. Uh, but pick some of these up. For some of you, can I just, I'll, I'll hit pause for a second. For some of you, five is a stretch. And you're like, whoo, your eyes are big and your pulse is quickening. You're thinking, I don't know. But uh, would you step out and do that? For some of you, some of you could do five without even trying. Like some of you should be think, praying and thinking about, can I, can I, fill the first half of the church on one side or something. For some of you are wired up for this kind of thing. And if so, don't let five limit you. Five is the, the entry point, right? But, but, uh, but would, you, would you spend some time trying to identify who is around me that God's prompted me that, that I could invite this next week? And again, the point isn't, the end game isn't to get him to church. The end game is what? That they would meet Jesus, right? This is what we're all about. We want them to connect with the Savior of the world. 
And so uh, if you want to put this postcard in, in some people's hands this week and you want to invite them that way, that's great. I don't care how you invite them, invite, but just invite them. If you want to have a conversation with them, great, invite them. We'll be putting it on Facebook. In fact, there's, a, there's an advertisement that's set to start today. It'll be uh, going out. Invite, share that with them, personal message it to them. Um, we're, we're sending your kids home <laughs> with some of these that have inflatable pictures. You've seen this. We probably put this on Facebook too. But they can, uh, so they can invite some of their friends to come and check it out. We've got two different invites. <laughs> I'm trying, we're giving you tools. We've got two different invites on our, uh, our Ignite Church app. If you click on, okay, it's taking forever. I don't know what's up with that. But if you click on it, it comes up. There's a little thing, a little mail thingy here in a second. Oh, Load. It says invites. Click it. There's two different ones you can use. You can post that and email it to people if you want. And just say, hey, email this to somebody. Hey, we're doing this new series. We're going to have lunch and some inflatables. Would you come? It's the easiest invite ever, right? We've tried to make it as easy as possible. We've given you a bunch of tools. We also always have these little invite business cards on the table. Woo, I can't hold on to it, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but if you'd rather put that into somebody's hand, I don't care. Put that, stick a few of those in your wallet and use that and say, hey, we're doing this thing as a church. We'd love to have you come join us. Come join us, have lunch together. It'll be fun. The point is this. Would you be willing to take a risk this week? Would you pray? Would you, I want you, before you leave, if you could identify your five people, the five by five by five, write them down, right? Stick this up on your mirror or someplace that will remind you this week to be praying for them and then be looking for opportunities and ways to invite, take a risk, step across a room, love on somebody, and invite them. And then who knows what God will do? I'm in the kingdom. I'm a pastor, which is crazy. Uh, but, but because somebody invited me. Many of you are at Ignite because somebody invited you. Most of us are probably... Uh, have a relationship with Christ because somebody invited us. Jesus modeled this, right, with a Samaritan woman and with tons of others where he took a risk. He stepped out, he took initiative and invited them into relationship and to Christ. And the Samaritan woman stepped out and followed his example and invited people and the world was never the same. I wonder what God will do with you and with me as we step out. What could God do you willing to take the, take the challenge? Five by five by five this week. All right? Let's be praying. Let's be stepping out together, and let's watch what God does. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. Uh, I thank you just for uh, your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the ways that you have reached out and invited us, God, into your kingdom, and the ways that you have sent others, sort of Jesus with skin on, so to speak, uh, to reach out to us and invite us into deeper relationship with you, into, into your kingdom and into a new way of life. And Father, I pray for us as a church as we step uh, out this week, as we move into our fifth year of ministry, um, I pray, God, that you would, uh, you would use this uh, in our lives, that you'd give us boldness and courage, that you would speak and whisper and prompt us to be praying and to be stepping out. I pray that you'd give us wisdom to know who to invite and encourage uh, to, to step up and do it. And I pray that even as we do these little things, that you might take them and use them for your kingdom, for your glory, for the saving of many lives.
Lord, it's more than uh, we can do on our own, but nothing is impossible with you. And so we just ask that you would sweep through this area this week by your spirit and that you might work in ways uh, that advance your kingdom, your mission, and your good plans for us for the, and for the world. We love you, God. We need you. We lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.